Sausages, something I think never mentioned on the morning call, even though we are out first thing in the morning, but they are in the news in Europe in particular, whether Northern Ireland can get any, and it shows how heated the UK-EU relationship is getting. We'll look at that today. Well, we might as well, because the markets have done very little, even with a standout result for US job openings. The problem is the jobs aren't being taken up. So does that mean yet more inflation? But the markets aren't really budging on that just yet. We'll ask why. It's Wednesday, the 9th of June, 2021. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, just like yesterday, we're seeing the NASDAQ moving forward, but other equities in the US have stalled, less than 0.2% growth in the S&P and the Dow, for example, just like yesterday, and uh, similar inaction in European equities. Uh, but what moves there are there are down. We've got a quarter percent uh, fall for the FTSE and the DAX. And a bit of a move to bonds in the US, pushing uh, yields on 10-year treasuries down four basis points. So they're now down a bit below where they were on Friday, because, uh, of course, they were up on Monday. A slight move up in the US dollar, a slight move down in the Aussie dollar, down about 0.2%, about the same size fall for the pound, a little less for the euro. And oil back on the rise, uh, 1.2% up for, for Brent this morning. Gavin Friend joins us today, Senior Market Strategist at uh, NAB in London. Uh, none of those numbers are particularly large, are they? It's a very slow day, small moves, some of them in the opposite direction to the small moves that we saw yesterday. So by and large, I think it's fair to say we are busy going nowhere, aren't we? Yes, good morning, Phil. Um, I think so. Um, as you say, not a lot of movement in in stocks volatility is coming down so the vix uh, falling this week to its lowest level since the pandemic at just above 16 we're not down to the sort of 8 to 12s that we saw before the pandemic i mean ahead of you know the key us cpi numbers we've got on the release we've got on thir- uh, we've got on thursday and the ecb also uh, tomorrow, the, um, we know we have the Fed next week. Some investors are saying, you know, perhaps we're hunkering down for the Northern Hemisphere summer. I mean, I think we are not so sure. I mean, if you look at, it is true. If you look at what's happening to yields since the sort of so-so May non-farm payroll release we saw on Friday, you know, US ten years now one fifty-two, one fifty-three. These are are well off the highs that we saw earlier this year, one seventy-four. You know, we're getting back down to the bottom of the range now, one fifty-two, one seventy-four. Real yields not really moving right now at all, um, and the result is lower inflation expectations. The ten-year break-evens two thirty-seven, two thirty-eight, which, you know, that's well off the sort of two fifty-eight highs we saw earlier in the year. And the read through to this, I think, is that, um, you know, two consecutive, relatively disappointing non-farm payroll reports um, brings us back nowhere near what the Fed wants to see in terms of, you know, Jay Powell's string of strong labour reports, let alone fulfilling the evidence of substantial further progress towards the Fed's goals. But here's, you know, the, and here's the interesting thing, though. I mean, if you look at the, the jobs numbers, the job openings numbers, so the jolts data yesterday, 9.3 million jobs are available in April, more than enough for everyone. Uh, it didn't move the markets at all. And yet, you know, you also look and see that lots of people have been quitting their jobs as well. 2.7% of people with a job quit their job in April. So that doesn't make a make great deal of sense unless everyone is very confident they're going to get another job. They're going to ask for more money if they go for another job. That would presumably be the reason why they're moving. And you'd assume that would be inflationary. So, And, and, and I would have thought inflation coming from jobs is going to be less transitory 
than inflation that's coming from supply chain disruption. So it's interesting everyone's drawing the conclusion that, you know, there's less chance of inflation. It doesn't, you're right, it doesn't really make much sense, does it, when we've got clearly, you know, the beginnings of sort of some sort of labour supply shortage for the report to come out and show, mm. for a report to show that the uh, the number of, uh, you know, job losses, sackings and what have you, uh, was a third higher than the number of job quitters. Job quitters normally are quitting because they think the times are good. They think they're going to find gainful employment somewhere else. And, and so, you know, typically in large numbers of separations, um, you know, it, it, it doesn't really stack up. But I think the, the other takeaway from this report is the number of job openings, nearly 9.3 million versus uh, it's up a million from last month. And yet actual hirings is down at just above 6 million. So that gap between the two now, over 3 million jobs, is just getting wider and wider. And it underscores, you know, the problem that we're all talking about, about, you know, a, la- a labour shortage, labour supply shortage. Um, but and, is it? Uh, but is it? Is it driven by wages? I mean, because uh, we had also had the NFIB, the Small Business Survey. Forty-eight percent of businesses are struggling to fill their jobs, even though uh, they, you know, many of them have pushed up their wages. So, um, I mean, the jobs are there. Isn't it a case that they're just not paying enough? And uh, you know, well, maybe maybe there's some credence to this argument that you know the, uh, the the support people are getting is too high to to want them to, to move and take those jobs. Absolutely, uh, or it may be related to things like childcare mm. uh, and, and COVID. So there's, there's there's two or three reasons why that are plausible reasons that have been put forward as to why there is this supply issue. And with the fact it that we've got you know so many different ways of interpreting this, I mean, couldn't that explain why markets haven't moved a great deal on this? Because you can look at this, and there is it, it, there is it, many different ways of looking at it, this. It is, it? but I think the takeaway from here at the moment now is there is after all the anxiety about inflation, about reflation turning to inflation, and whether the Fed is, you know, following a policy mistake here. There's plenty of, you know, op-eds out there from people like Bill Dudley, you know, former New York Fed governor, saying that the Fed's policy means that it's going to have to go much harder and more aggressive if it's going to follow the AIT policy. Others are talking about policy mistakes, if you like. Um, But what's noticeable in the bond market right in the last two or three days since the non-farm payroll is a relaxation of that anxiety. Break-evens are coming down. There isn't a bid for tips for inflation-protected bonds. And so, you know, it's like the the, the incoming data is, is, is relaxing markets a little bit about this. It might also tell us something about the CPI report coming up we know the inflation is going to jump you know even further we know that base effects are probably going to roll over um this month next month and then it'll be down to supply bottlenecks and those kinds of things um that the market is pricing this in already that is relatively sanguine and so then for us you know when people talk about let's break for the summer we talk about well what about the ecb on thursday what about the fed next week if you get jay powell who repeats that line that we're still not talking about talking about i'm not sure he can actually say that actually because clearly some <laughs> fed officials are talking about it but if he if he gives that kind of feeling then mm. the, the next break in bond yields might be slightly lower again you well, know uh, and if it does then then that's got ramifications for the dollar so yeah he has been talking about how he's not talking about it hasn't he uh, look andy <laughs> if that makes sense andy talk crazy andy haldane talk about crazy uh, he's obviously on his way out of the bank of england so he can say what he likes he was at uh, glasgow university uh, at a talk on the housing market it was about uh, inequality and basically he was saying that, uh, that 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 the housing market in the uk is on fire the government incentives and and a lack of uh, properties have done that it's adding to the to the wealth gap 
I mean, not, not much market reaction to that, but it's going to be interesting to see what else he says before he goes. Yeah, I mean, you're right. I think your 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 the 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 hint of your question is right that that um, he's on his he, he's you know it's only a couple of months from now before he leaves. Um, he's making these remarks, but he's the third official at the Bank of England to make these comments. And the backdrop is you know the latest data shows UK house prices growing at about eleven percent uh, on the year. That's you know, the first time we've been you know above that sort of level since 2014. Um, but from the bank's point of view, I mean, this was, as you say, um, at a at an event on equality. So he was, you know, talking about how this is just pricing, particularly younger people, further out of the uh, out of the housing market. It's not something that the bank can deal with. It's something that's um, a supply issue. It's something the government has got. You know, there's plenty of um, property proposals put forward. The government needs to lean on the developers and others to actually get the ones that are already you know proposed uh, starting to be built. Um, I think you know you could you know house builders could build a million jobs throughout the, le- the, the the remainder of the life of the current parliament, hitting the government's target of three hundred thousand homes a year without passing any new planning provisions. So um, you know, yeah. get on with it. I think is the message. Right. Well, uh, and sausages. Uh, <laughs> let's get on with this story because uh, this is big news in Europe today. The Germans are a little bit worried that there may be British sausages uh, making their way through uh, the Northern Ireland into the uh, into into the mainland Europe. Uh, th- this is the old Northern Ireland border question. It was a problem from the, the start with Brexit. It's still not resolved. Uh, and there's a concern now. Uh, uncooked meats, particularly sausages uh, will have to be border checked uh, which means they might not and might not fail that border check and which means people in Northern Ireland could go sausageless this is big news yeah that's right there's um, so, so so under the new trading regime between the uh, the UK and the EU Northern Ireland remains part of the EU uh, single market and there is a grace period that ends at the end of June and the EU in its sort of legalistic way is saying you need to make sure that the checks are done because otherwise we'll have British made sausages crossing over into Northern Ireland still part of the UK but they could get into the EU single market and they want these checks and balances done and the UK is saying we can't do this right now we just don't have the infrastructure mm. our sausages are amongst the best in the world uh, let's not can we can we have a pragmatic less sort of legalistic approach well I'll try telling the Germans that they think they've got the best sausages in the world anyway and there's another area of dispute as well isn't there uh, there's the clash between uh, the German constitutional court and the EU because the constitutional court uh, got involved in uh, Germany and the uh, and the bond buying programme and that that whole thing it got through but it delayed the whole process uh, and now Brussels is getting their own back which basically shows that Europe just takes a long time to do everything everything is so blooming complicated and so political as well uh, look the German zoo survey was out uh, yesterday last night a, a rise in business conditions a fall in business expectations which actually is very similar to what we saw in the NAB business survey which in a nutshell bus- business conditions have edged up business confidence has edged lower but of course that is from a record high that's right. Business conditions, another record high of 37 from 32. Business confidence did dip a little bit um, to uh, 20 from, from, from up 23, but it's well above its uh, long-term average of, of five or six or so. Business conditions um, improved, improved across all the regions. Um, price pressures continue to rise, no surprise there. Three-month annualised rate at sort of what, 3.8%. I mean, it's the highest since going back to just put the, the GFC of 2008. And business expenditures were very strong. So they're the highest in the survey's history, consistent with, you know, the investment intentions that we're seeing in the CapEx survey. So, you know, yeah, it, it, it's yeah. a good, strong report. 
later today, I think we get the Westpac um, June consumer confidence numbers. I mean, the, 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 the focus tends to be on the headline. This time round, though, I think we're going to be looking at the unemployment expectations component because these peaked in the in August last year. And they in doing so, they foreshadowed this very sharp drop in the unemployment rate. So, mm. you know, you get a further move in that direction. It suggests a further rise in the unemployment, so, so a further decline, sorry, in the unemployment rate. And it's New Zealand's turn today. They, we get their activity outlook and business confidence numbers and manufacturing sales volumes as well. We get China's CPI and producer prices. I mean, they're going to be higher, presumably. A bit of readjustment if they're down, I'd suggest. Uh, and the Bank of Canada tonight as well, doing very little, I presume. Yeah, I mean, for the Bank of Canada, um, you know, we're not expecting any great shakes. Um, remember in the April meeting um, that they, they, they announced a tapering their bond purchases to $3 billion a week. That was the second tapering from $5 billion back in October last year. And they suggested that the sort of output gap would be reached earlier, thereby there would be rate hikes possibly as early as the second half of 2022. I think since that last April meeting, um, the, there's been a couple of disappointing Canada jobs numbers, minus 68,000 jobs, minus 207,000 jobs respectively. But inflation has been higher, so two offsets there really, both likely to get a mention, but I think no... You know, the, the, the consensus view is is that we're not going to really get any fireworks until perhaps the July meeting from Canada. Right. Okay, we'll leave it there for now. Good to talk, Gavin. Catch you next time. Cheers, Phil. That sausage story is going to be a slow burner with lots of sizzle. Uh, we're a slow burn would be unusual for British sausages. They normally burn them, don't they? That's it for today. I'm Phil Dobby for NAB. Back again tomorrow morning. See you then.